power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. Ready for your weekly tech fix? Want to know how technology sets us free? Well, get ready because here it comes. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, entrepreneur and technophile Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now, here's Brian. Hello and welcome to Sovereign Tech. It is the Rembrandt of the podcasting canvas here with you again, Brian Sovereign. And it's always a pleasure. Um, today, I'll get right into this today, uh, I have a special guest on, and uh, this is a genuinely very special guest who has been, happens to also be the producer of the show. And surprise! Is, surprise, it's Stephanie Murphy. Hi. How wonderful, hello. Stephanie Murphy of Pork Therapy fame, PORCtherapy.com, which actually was recently in Forbes magazine. Oh my. My producer listed in Forbes. I can't That's, take all the fame. Soon you'll be making Forbes on your own. Maybe. Maybe. And and bigger. There was a few times, there was a, you ever see those covers of Forbes where there's like this bald guy that's like shadowed out and it's like the, you know, the businessman behind the scenes. That sure. Was, that was actually me. Mm, but, I believe that. Yeah. No. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And also you do, you're on Freed, you're on with, you're actually, I'm on with you, I should say. Yeah. We've su- been teaming uh, yeah, up on that recently. On Sunday nights on Free Talk Live. Mm-hmm. Um and you do all kinds of other audio work, and obviously you're the producer for Sovereign Tech. So it's great Yay. having you here. Uh, Thank you so much for inviting me on. Mm-hmm. I love to have a chance to um, speak my mind and to do a show with you. I love working with you every chance I get, Brian. And by the way, you have a huge brain. I thank you i do have a huge brain <laughs> no modesty here folks um <laughs> no <laughs> um and you're also you know just to some of your not that you need qualifications to to be on sovereign tech but as to some of your qualifications you are a definitely a self-described nerd oh yeah yeah and you are a, i wear that badge with pride <laughs> absolutely and how would you describe yourself uh nerd wise i think i would say i'm a science nerd a science i'm nerd. not really um, to, I mean, I'm very interested in computers, but it's not my special area of expertise or fluency. I don't do any programming or I'm not really into gaming or anything, mm-hmm. but I appreciate them for the way that they make our lives easier. I'm sure. more interested in biological sciences, medicine and science, and I'm actually working on a PhD right now. I've, I'm actually in the process of writing my thesis, so I'm almost done. I've been working in science, I guess, for the past mm, five years or so. And I've been interested in science since being, you know, able to talk, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember, I used to I used to want to learn about dinosaurs. I had all these model dinosaurs, <laughs> and I knew, like, all these characteristics about them. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, every time I think about the, uh, about the idea of playing with dinosaurs when I was a kid, I think of, well, that's not a very, like, girly toy, but maybe that's why I'm queer. Because <laughs> <laughs> gender nonconforming toys. <laughs> right on. Yeah. I used to love dinosaurs, too, and, uh, you know. But, uh, rar. Rar. Yeah, exactly. They're awesome. I mean, I just had so much fun playing with these little dinosaurs and memorizing all these facts about them. And 
the information has got to be really dated now because I was playing with these little mm-hmm. dinosaur things back in the 80s. and I So remember, there was probably still a brontosaurus back then. There was, yeah. And right. those, those actually did not exist. Those never existed. The brontos- transposing like one dinosaur's yep, skull they, they put another's. a diplodocus head mm-hmm. onto a brachiosaurus body mm. and they said that it was a you know that it was a, a brontosaur when actually it just never existed that right. was like in 1989 87 or 89 when they finally discovered that mm-hmm. yeah. i'm sure it took a while for that knowledge to kind of trickle down to the average dinosaur lover yeah i don't think it was until <laughs> jurassic park came out when everybody asked and i remember this everybody i mean i was 13 but everybody was asking where's the Where's the brontosaurus? That's like one of the most popular ones, you know. And it's, <laughs> just because and, it was on the Flintstones doesn't right, mean that it existed, right? And then then they said, well, that's because Brachiosaurus is in this, which you know, credit to Spielberg and Michael Crichton, they got it right. Um, mm. But anyway, so yeah, so you're a science nerd, and this is the show about science and technology and how it can set you free. Yeah. And speaking of setting free, the first story that I wanted to get into today is about a guy who was in jail for 25 years. And his outlook on technology now. Uh, He went into prison into 87. Actually, I'll go ahead and read right from the story here. It's from Gizmodo, um, which we may talk about a little bit more later. And uh, the story is what it's like to experience new technology after 25 years in jail by Michael Santos. Wow, I'm really interested. I have not read this yet, but I'm very curious to hear what this person has to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So here's the article. When I went to prison in 1987, Motorola manufactured the large gray cell phone that I used. People preferred to refer to it as the brick. Of course, back then, the the cell phones were these (laughs) monsters. Yeah, Yeah. they were huge. I mean, you could barely hold it with one hand. Oh, gosh. I remember having... I remember my parents having a car phone in the early 90s, and they called Mm -hmm. it a car phone. Yeah. And... That thing must have weighed about five pounds. You'd open it up. It would be almost the size of a regular cordless phone. And it had this antenna that you had to pull up that went up about a foot in the air. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My dad had one too. And that was... Still a horrible signal and it cost like a buck a minute. Yeah. The reception was atrocious. And yeah, how much it cost to use that. I mean, and that was a car phone, let alone a cell phone. Right. Um, And so, and that was like, I mean, it was a mobile phone. They pretty much only used it in the car though because at that mm-hmm. time it wasn't practical to use it for just everyday communications because right. landlines were way cheaper and it was like pretty much only for emergencies if you got into a car accident and you needed to call for help or something yeah yeah exactly um which you know i think that could rightfully justify its existence honestly absolutely so um all right back to the article uh It had the capacity to send, he's talking about the brick, it had the capacity to send or receive phone calls, but there wasn't any text messaging back then. Uh, I also had a pager, but it could only transmit digits, as I recall. Oh, Oh, pagers. I miss my pager. Page me. So bad. Page me uh, one four three or yeah one two three four. (laughs) Well, what's the one about I love you? It's is it one three four or one four three? Oh, I thought it was just one two three four. Maybe it was. Oh, anyway, (laughs) I didn't have a. By the way. We forgot to say that we love each other. Yes, we do. We we are partners. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> Back to the article. Um, I was, t- let's see, uh, I also had a, pa- he had the pager. I had a personal computer manufactured by IBM with a DOS operating system that I didn't really understand and 40 megabytes of memory, not gigabytes or terabytes, megabytes. Um, I was told that that was a big deal. Wow. I linked the, com- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I linked the computer to an Epson dot matrix printer. Oh boy. Wow. And I remember the perforated paper fed through on a track system that oh, easily yeah. derailed. It was a hassle. Oh, yeah. 
it's technology, yeah, a hassle. <laughs> it's a hassle. Technology has changed considerably during the 25 years that I served. I read extensively during my term of incarceration, but reading about technology felt a bit like reading about typing. Regardless of how much you read, I wouldn't grasp the power of technology until I started using it. Forget the mm, power. That makes I, sense. Yeah. Forget it, the power. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, did I miss what he was incarcerated for? It doesn't for? say, and that's... That's fine. If he wants to be anonymous about it, but sure. yeah, I mean, twenty-five years is probably something. Well, and you know, I, I was just going to say it was probably something serious, but these days they'll lock you up for Could've just about drugs. anything forever. Yeah, maybe he was kind of an Aaron Swartz. Who knows? Well, he couldn't be an Aaron Swartz. I'm sorry. Well, you could be in the '80s, but um, <laughs> it would have looked a little different. Yeah. yeah. Either well, way, he considered could have had a brick of cocaine or something, and not been hurting anyone. That you know? exactly, and they'll yeah. toss you in forever for that sort of stuff. Right. Um, but he, he probably had a pretty I don't know. He seems like he was, you know, for all the technology he had at 1987, he would must have been doing pretty well for himself, whatever he was doing. Right. Um, this must just be like a, that's why I was saying maybe he was a drug dealer. <laughs> maybe. That's entirely positive. It's, uh, a lot of people used to think if you had a pager that you were a drug dealer. Um, I got accused I of that, that quite a few times, but I had a pager just, it was the way to talk to people, especially at conventions and things like that. Right. It's just how stuff was done. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that. Yeah. And, you know, this must just be like a rebirth to come out of prison after 25 years. And the whole world is completely different. Working completely differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the humans are the same. Humans have been the same for thousands of years, in my opinion. But uh, the world definitely operates on a different set of rules now. Um, everything's instantaneous. Everything's now, now, now. And prison know. is a time warp. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, or even like a county jail or something as uh, people who are... I guess, marginally associated with the Free State Project. At least we know some people who are in the liberty movement in general. And we know a few people who do things like civil disobedience, and occasionally they'll get arrested and put in jail for that. Sometimes they serve longer jail sentences. And, you know, you have to write them letters. You have to, Mm -hmm. like, take pen to paper or print out a letter. But, you know, an interesting thing, though, now that's different maybe from any other time, is with things like Facebook and Google+, Plus, you know, and all these social networks, you can catch up on history very deeply, you know, as to where before you were, I mean, yeah, sure. You could read magazines and stuff that's going on, but you couldn't like get the pulse of what society was going through. Now, now you can, like you could keep up with your friends. Um, Yeah. At least like say you were incarcerated in like 2007 and then you got out today. Yeah. You could look back at their Facebook feed for the past, you know, sure. uh, You could really, yeah, you could catch (laughs) up on things and the pervasiveness of pictures and YouTube and all that. Right. You can at least now, you know, kind of, you don't have to be so lost when you get out. Um, but this guy, 25 years, anyway, we'll we'll keep going with the story. Um, so forget the power. I don't even understand the language of technology. Okay. So he's, he's saying, forget the power of technology. He doesn't even understand the language. Um, for example, I never understood what people meant when they spoke of a browser meaning web browser. In fact, I just asked my wife to define a browser, and when she described it as a program that would allow me to access the internet, I gave her a blank stare. Wow. Uh, But I thought the browser was the little text box on top of the screen where I type in what I'm looking to find on Google. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) No, honey, she said. That's the URL bar. Yeah, and this is what he means by the language. He can't. He he doesn't even... What are you saying? You know? Right, right. Um, 
I served more than 25 years in prison and I haven't yet been free for five full months. So maybe others can understand my ignorance on the subject of technology. I can accept that volumes of basic information are beyond my ability to comprehend right now, but with everything I have to learn, I don't know whether I'll ever grasp all that I need to know. I don't have any idea what a server is and I don't know how much about how to make my con. I don't know much about how to make my content available to the people who need it. Truthfully, technology isn't the only area that makes me feel as if I'm living in a time warp, but I'll post a different different response for those areas of my ignorance with regard I wonder to what else he's referencing there yeah we'll have to see here um without with regard to technology i sense a real handicap because i envision technology as being a central component of the business that i want to build i consider myself as having a responsibility or duty to help others understand prisons the, the people they hold and strategies for growing through confinement in ways that will help people emerge with value skills and resources that translate into success. Technology could really help Mm. me succeed, but since I don't understand how to use it effectively, I'm kind of in a lost world. Now this is a great thing to come out of prison with. How can I help these people that are in there? Yeah. Because they're people. They're not, they're not all bad. They're not, you know, well, even if they were, I mean the whole punitive, uh, focus of the Mm -hmm. so-called justice system of the legal system you know you put people in a cage for a number of years you treat them poorly you yell at them you take away all the things that and what does that solve and then you expect them to come out and suddenly be able to take care of themselves and to be a good you know to follow moral standards i guess right that doesn't make any sense no i mean if if the focus is actually supposed to be on rehabilitation or you know, providing people with skills that they need to be able to take care of themselves and live functional lives after mm-hmm. they're incarcerated. Like, give them some, at least throw them a few bones in the realm of technology, but sure. also in just, just the way that they're treated. I mean, and don't get me started on the idea of punishing somebody for possessing oh, yeah. some chemical or some drug. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, simple possession is accounts for a lot of people who are in um, at least jails. I don't know about prison, but... There are lots of people who are in county jails, you know, just kind of the smaller jails because they were driving, you know, their license was suspended or something and they were driving and they didn't know about it Yeah. or a violation of probation. They got popped for one thing and then suddenly they're adhering to all these probation rules and they're very easy to violate. You know, if you, if you live in a house with roommates, one of your roommates has a beer in the refrigerator, you're, you're going back to jail. Sure. Probation officer. The more, the more laws there are, the more regulations, the more criminals you have. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. And, uh, but I like the attitude that, that this guy's coming out with. Um, anyway, with more of the article prior to my release from prison, I gave considerable thought to a technology strategy. My wife was used to using Microsoft products, but everything I'd read indicated that Apple products offered a much quicker learning curve. Eh. Anyway, on the day she picked me up, she handed me an iPhone 4S. During my first week of Liberty, we purchased a MacBook Pro and an iMac desktop system. I hoped they would all work seamlessly together, but since my wife wasn't as comfortable with the Apple products, she insisted that I load them all up with Microsoft products so she could rescue me when I had problems. I've had a lot of problems coming up to speed with simple tasks like email or syncing all of my computers together. Aww. I've also had a problem remembering all the passwords she assigned to me. Aww. I keep arguing that we should use only one password, but the only the only that only brings forth her arguments on the dangers of identity theft since i met many men in prison who served time for identity theft mm. i trust that my wife has a point yeah that's something you know you used to have to remember phone numbers now it's not phone numbers anymore now you have to remember passwords right and things like that and that is a shift because you know you only have nine numbers or you know ten numbers you have to remember as right. to where with passwords sky's the limit yeah 
And I suppose if you were storing a lot of phone numbers in your memory, that would be pretty difficult. But I have to say nowadays, like if I was without my cell phone, didn't have my contact list, I would be really hard pressed to remember the, sure. the number that I would want to call if I got sure. you know one phone call. <laughs> I, I knew a college student who actually did a did a paper about this about the fact that people used to know remem- remember phone numbers right. and they used to like have like almost a full phone book in their head almost. I yeah. mean not obviously not you know hundreds of pages, but they'd know so much and who to contact. They'd know addresses. They'd know all this stuff. And now that you know that's gone. But mm-hmm. hopefully you know the flip but hopefully side that clears out some space in right. your brain. It's like you know making emptying your recycle bin or whatever exactly. like you can use that space for something else yeah to maybe enjoy life a little more or to th- to think about things that are you know more entrepreneurial or, or, or creative to, re- to remember other things or to, that you couldn't just look up sure right? exactly yeah absolutely um okay i enjoy the quora platform because it's rather simple uh, people ask questions and I respond, but I don't know Quora is like a, that's another kind of social network thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what all, all of the features mean. I don't know anything about how to use credits to promote my work or how to use the platform in ways that will help me strengthen my personal brand or bring more awareness to my domain expertise. Some people who work at Quora have offered to provide insight on best practice use of Quora, so I'll appreciate that guidance for now. All I know is that I'm responding to people's questions. I am providing some insight onto the world obscure world of confinement you know i have to say i think he at least i'm impressed that he knows what he doesn't know Mm -hmm. like the thing with donald rumsfeld comes to mind like the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he he knows his unknowns right he he can sense where the gaps in his knowledge are and he's actively working to fill those in and so in that sense i think he's doing way better than for instance a lot of like maybe elderly people who sure. have a kind of a Luddite bent and they just don't even bother because they're not interested in learning sure. and catching up on new technology. Yeah. And it doesn't say how old he is. Right. Um, there's no, you know, there's no clue on that. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting that he is able to at least pick up on stuff. Now, granted, he was still able to like read magazines. And while he said that, that that's not a great way to know about things, he at least has some idea. And I agree with him about the Apple thing to some degree mm-hmm. that Apple every, I don't know that Apple's easier. I wouldn't make that claim. Mm-hmm. But Apple works together very well. Um, and I'm not sure what he's encountering, but generally it does. Um, anyway, a little more with the story. Uh, I'm kind this, of impressed by the way that his wife stuck with him for 25 years. Is it the same person? He was well, in? he's only been out five months, so I'm going to guess that his wife must have hung out. I don't know. Yeah. That's impressive, too. Well, he said she picked him up from Right. From she picked prison. him up when he was coming. Yeah. Yeah. She stuck with him all that time. I, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, more of the article. Besides Cora, I use other forms of social media to broaden my reach, and I retained a developer to build a website that I hoped would bring more attention to my work. With such a limited understanding of technology, however, I don't feel as if I'm reaching as many people as I possibly could. Since I'm not reaching as many people as I possibly could, I'm not able to build the traction that I need. I'm trying to resolve these problems quickly, but my limited knowledge of how to use the power of technology effectively makes me move cautiously. I look forward to learning more about technology and social media effectively, but with everything else that I must learn, I don't know what level of progress to expect as being reasonable. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's really appropriate for your show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it is something. I mean, you're walking into a whole other world, you know? I mean, people are still people, like I said. But you are walking into something so strange. And uh, I mean, I could, you know, we could go on about the the prison system and how that does nothing for anybody. You know, in fact, if anything, the prison system, well, 
yeah, see, this is the hard. The prison system shouldn't exist in the first place because punishments. I was going to bring that up, actually. Yeah. I mean, putting people in cages often when they when they have committed a crime that has a victim, mm-hmm. putting that person in a cage does not do anything for the victim, right? right. They're not making any restitution. Sure. And, and you can hear... It, so it, I think it, I see that as a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And you can hear in this guy's writing kind of a desperation mm-hmm. that, you know, like, why am I even alive now? What's the point? Mm. And prison took him out of the world and and locked him out of the world to where when he got out of, I mean what, what how does that help anybody anyway we'll be back with more sovereign tech you're listening to sovereign tech with me brian sovereign the man who always wears triple black sovereign tech is a show about science and technology and how it can set you free Remember, Sovereign Tech only endorses businesses and products that we genuinely believe in and support ourselves. If you have a product or website that you would like to have reviewed, you can email the show at SovereignTech at Hush.ai. Please keep in mind that the reviews on Sovereign Tech pull no punches. Thanks for listening. Tech Roulette. Want to play? It is time for Tech Roulette. And we got a great story lined up for you, um, actually from from Daryl W. Perry of FCC or uh, what is it? FPP.cc. FPP. Sorry about that, Daryl. As in Creative Commons. As in That's what Creative Commons. Says. That's right. Uh, an amazing <laughs> activist. Um, but uh, you wanted to make a, a further point on uh, on the story about the guy who who got out of jail after twenty five years and didn't. Yeah, have, just a really quick. Yeah, one. go ahead. It as he was um, writing, I was reminded of the idea that. And a lot of people say this, but I was reminded of the idea that it, it'll probably be really difficult for us today to conceive of what technology, what the status of technology will be like 25 years from now. Right. Right. Like we almost can't imagine what it's going to be like. Right. And it keeps going, moving forward at an increasing pace. Right. It's kind of exponentially increasing. Sure. I think probably the medical realm is the next frontier where I hope we're going to see more kinds of, um, I guess, maybe transhumanism or body modification improvements that'll enable people to live longer and have more abilities, have better quality of life, right? Be free of diseases and pain. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, I I hope to see the pace of that pick up. I do too, but the the scary part, and this this is our next story, is that this isn't being this kind of what you're talking about, about medic, like in the medical field, diseases going away or people having enhancements, human enhancements and things like that. Transhumanism, mm-hmm. uh, all of which I'm very excited about and support um, is not being so is not being looked on kindly in mm-hmm. certain parts of the world, maybe in the whole world and just based on certain people. Um, but this this next story is uh, is about Steve Mann, who is known as the father of wearable computing. And he was, oh man, man. (laughs) yeah. Um, And he was in a uh, McDonald's in France, and he's wearing, uh, he's wearing an eyepiece that essentially works like a camera, um, and maybe like kind of a binocular type thing, whatever. It's completely attached to his head. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the concern is, is that this may be the first cybernetic hate crime because when he went in there to order. They told him, sir, you're going to have to take that off. And he can't. I mean, Steve Mann came right out and said, uh, you know, the, the eyeglass, it's permanently attached. It does not come off of my skull. 
without special tools. Wow. So probably using like ceramic or nylon um, screws of some kind. Maybe to, he has to unscrew it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is attached. This isn't just some, this isn't, you know, some fashion statement. Um, this is a functional device that he's using. Uh, he's done this a lot before. He's ran into trouble with the NYPD uh, over wearing, which I can see where the, the police uh, would, would have very much concerns over wearing uh, cameras. <laughs> you know, uh, they don't they don't very much enjoy being recorded, it seems, no. often enough. No, um, they want to be able to record you, but they don't want to be recorded themselves. Right, right. So we'll read a little bit from the article. So, uh, okay, I've... Yeah, I've heard that Steve Mann has like a doctor's note that he carries around with him. He has to, to carry paperwork. Yeah. Try to like prove that this is, you know, something that he's experimenting with. He's engaged in vision mm-hmm. research, right? Yeah. And I was also wondering, I did a little, little research on this on my own, but sure. just wanted to clue the audience in. I was wondering if he was wearing it because he has a disability of, of some kind, like he's his vision is somehow impaired. But as I understand it, that is not the case. It's just mm. an experimental device. His, there's nothing wrong with his vision. Right, right. right. He's just doing this, uh, be it he got inspired from Star Trek or who knows what. Um, you know, so hey, I, it's, it looks like a Borg. It it's does. Like, it looks, I have to he looks like Lacutus. Yeah. Hi, sir. Would you like some fries with that? Resistance, Resistance is, is futile. futile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And then he comes and grabs the McDonald's employee and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it kind of, just real quick, it reminds me of a story. I went to a Star Trek convention in Syracuse, New York, many years ago. And I went to Burger King. This is when I used to eat fast food. And I went to Burger King and a guy... A guy walks in wearing a Klingon, he had the full garb on, you know, this oh huge my. Klingon warrior outfit. He had the, <laughs> the ridges on his forehead, um, you know, did great makeup work. He looked fantastic. He even had like a singular, like, IP. He took like a, it looked like he took a, something, like a, a piece of glass out of uh, sunglasses mm-hmm. and put it over one eye to kind of give him like a General Chang kind of look uh, <laughs> from uh, from Star Trek Six, And uh, it, was, it was really, really cool. And he got picked on and made fun of. Fortunately, they served him. You know what I mean? They they at least took wow. his order and gave him his food. Well, that's because they don't have it on the poster, right? Like, you can't come in with no shirt, but you, I guess, can come in as a Klingon and right. still get service. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. They don't but have no Klingons, no service. Yeah, no, right. They, they do. There is nothing about them. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you can't, like, we don't allow dogs in here. You know, I wonder what is their definition of person. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that's another topic for another time. Anyway. Not to yeah. say Klingons are dogs. <laughs> no. uh, but anyway, but people were insulting him. You know, but again, at least he got served as to where Steve Mann here. Um, let's see with the story. The Canadian university professor was at the restaurant with his family when three different McDonald's employees took exception to his digital eyeglass device and attempted to forcibly remove it from his head. Wow. Man was then physically removed from the store by the employees, along with having his support documentation destroyed. That's the documentation you were talking about that he carries with him to prove, you know, hey, this is legit. You know, this is a medical thing, whatever. Um, this may be the first ever recorded assault of a person instigated by the prominent or assault of a person instigated by the prominent display of a Google Glass like wearing wearable computer. Now, Google Glass is this big thing, this big deal that's out there that Google's developing that essentially it's glasses that run on Android and we're saying the top right or top left. Um, but well, it's actually it's the augmented top right. reality, right? It kind of. They call it, it has like a menu to that'll appear in your peripheral vision off to the right or just out of your peripheral vision, wow. I should say. Yeah. And it can like the, one of the examples they're giving is that it would work great with skiers because 
because it would have a barometer. And so you, you knew how, you know, when you're skiing down the slope, you know exactly, uh, you know, at what level you're at, you know, uh, with topography or whatever. And I consider Google Glass to be positively worthless um, other than as maybe some kind of camera. And I think it looks ridiculous. In fact, what Steve Mann's wearing, I'll, uh, there, I'll post to the uh, a link so you can see what, exactly what he was wearing in the show notes at sovereigntech.tumblr.com. And I think his looks far more natural than anybody that's wearing Google Glass. Google Glass looks preposterous. Um, and, and a lot of people already say that it's like, who would, who would wear these things? Can you describe that a little bit more? Because I haven't seen what it looks like. So I'm wondering why you're saying it's preposterous. Um, it looks like you have, cause it's not actually glasses. Okay. Now maybe that's why they stopped calling it Google glasses and they just called it Google glass. It's, it's actually like a, um, uh, boy, if I can describe it, 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 I mean, they are glasses as in you put them on, you know, and they have like side things, but it's not like a full pair of glasses to where you can see the rim of the glasses and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then to the top right of it, it has this, uh, it has what's essentially the, the computer part of the glasses that has a camera built into it as well. Mm. And, and it just looks strange. I'll have to post a picture of it. It's very hard to describe, but when you see people wearing it and especially when you see them talking very naturally and Google's doing really doing the marketing work to try and make this look normal Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't. And actually anybody that's watched a lot of science fiction, I could understand where they would look at that device and they would feel very trepidatious. They'd be very concerned of whoa, you know, cause this looks like something that, that gets used for nefarious purposes in films. So it's scary. It's new. It's different. You, yeah. You're thinking that the, are you thinking that the McDonald's employees kind of felt alienated because they didn't understand what this was? I think that's possible. And so they had like a violent reaction to it, you know, because maybe they didn't know how to express that or whatever. Sure, sure. I think that's possible. Uh, It sounded, it really struck me when reading this story that really struck me as a very us versus them kind of thing. Like here's this guy walks into the store with some new technology. Right. They probably see, um, you know, people of different races than them, people who come from different cultures, people with physical disabilities, all kinds of, you know, ages of people all the time. Mm-hmm. They have a very diverse clientele, but yet this guy walks in and he's got this robot piece on his face and sure. they're like, what the hell is that? That really scares me. And so I'm going to react with violence. I, I would like to see a little more understanding, a little more tolerance and curiosity in there. Right. Um, But unfortunately, that's not how it went down. No, sadly not. Uh, We'll be right back with more Sovereign Tech. Are you ready? I've never seen anyone so treated like a a god in my life. Brian Sovereign as guest co-host tomorrow night. And so that should be a good show. On that note, uh, what we just we added should... Brian Sovereign. Okay, we haven't. Oh, is he good? He's been in the audience. He's, oh, yeah, he's yeah, certainly we've... got opinions on things. Yes. I'm so close to being like God. No one is above me. Okay, absolutely no one. I don't take <laughs> orders from anybody. And I mean that—that's how much closer to God can you get? Is there anything he doesn't do better than everyone else? Oh, that's just his way of talking. He's one of the best. Break it down. Catch Sovereign Tech, the show about technology and how it can set you free with me, Brian Sovereign. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N at SoundCloud.com slash Sovereign Tech. Wow. It's a website of the week. Oh. 
It is website of the week. I am here, Brian Sovereign, also with the voice you just heard. I'm with the real thing. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of introducing yourself. Of course, Stephanie Murphy is here, thankfully. Uh, it's been a great show so far. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Oh, Brian. my pleasure. Um, okay, so it's website of the week. And occasionally I'll have guests. I'll let them, you know, kind of choose what they want to talk about and, and their picks and things like that because it brings on a different perspective. Everybody's looking for different things in this world and even different from me as much as I try to, you know, to, to appeal to a broad audience with this show. And the website of the week you chose, Stephanie, was, well, it's a, it's Jezebel. It's a lot of things. Uh, go Go ahead. Um, I don't know really how to talk about this, but there's a, apparently a family of websites mm-hmm. that are all owned by the same company, right? Gawker and, Media. And yep. it's Gawker Media, right? So that includes Gawker, Jezebel, is Kotaku, Kotaku's in, there? in it. Um, what else? Uh, Lifehacker. IO9. Yep, IO9, Gizmodo. Yeah. Actually, Lifehacker G- is right, one. Gizmodo and IO9 were actually where we got the, the two stories that we just talked about mm-hmm. from. Yeah, so I just. Um, I just was noticing that all of those those websites are places that I go to look for show prep for my own show for sure, Pork same Therapy here. or for Free Talk Live. And I find them really interesting. Like the layout is seems like very optimal. Like they have this template that kind of draws you in and helps you. Yeah, you can tell which like that they're a part of the same family of blogs. Yeah. Essentially, sure. Mm-hmm. And the comment feature is kind of cool too, the way that they have it set up. It's a little bit more... Um, I guess likely to expose different people's comments. Like they don't just have a simple like thread of comments below the article. Right. They have them organized into columns and they keep them to a certain length so that if somebody writes a really long comment, you can, well, I don't know if you can expand it, but they don't see, it doesn't seem to be like, you know, there are one sentence comments and then there right. are like really long comments that nobody wants to read. Right. Right. And they're everywhere. I mean, pretty much any social media platform or even like feed reader, like Google currents or something, um, has Gawker's blogs as part of like, you know, as available for you to, to constantly get every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I mean, they post articles all day long, all the time. I mean, they, they must have a phenomenal group of reporters or, right. or at least people that, that do the research for them, that, that gather uh, all the stories. And, uh, yeah, it's really top notch. Jezebel, I really enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they cover stories that most people won't even touch. Yeah. It's uh, sort of like a, postmodern feminist mm-hmm. website i guess you could say yeah right? it's good but and i also like it the other th- about all the gawker sites um you know like jezebel and kotaku they'll make they'll make the tough statements they'll make bold claims which is fine if they're wrong later and they admit to them being wrong one of them with jezebel they did a, a really nice piece on kesha uh you know claiming she's not stupid um and then when there was a little scuffle a couple of weeks later on, you know, the, the, the same blogger said, yeah, I feel kind of bad that I made, you know, about some of the statements I made in that previous article. Um, so, so they'll come right out in the open, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty open. Not that, that he was, you know, not, not that the blogger was saying that Kesha was now stupid when before they said she wasn't. Yeah. That's what I was getting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in any case, they also do Life Hacker, which I think tons of people, whether they realize it or not, that it's part of Gawker and this family mm-hmm. of blogs. Uh, Life Hacker is an amazing website. Yep. Um, a lot of ways to save time on there. Sure. A lot of sure. helpful tips, I guess, to hack your life. Like yeah. the name of it is very descriptive. Yeah. I mean, I've personally seen you input a lot of things talked about in Life Hacker into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done the same. And uh, Life Hacker is great. Actually, that was founded by uh, Gina Trapani who she um 
she she's a big big tech uh you know tech blogger and uh actually host for a lot of things on twit tv mm-hmm. uh, she's great and yeah That's i mean cool. so just quality people putting a lot of this stuff out there and there's just so much there's even jalopnik which mm-hmm. is a car um blog and it's great and mm-hmm. they, they do stuff kind of like you'd see on top gear um but yeah in particular you know i really do enjoy i agree with you io9 gives you you know, I mean, who, where else could you have heard about that story with Steve Mann you yeah. know, getting attacked in McDonald's? And they did. I thought they did, you know, pretty objective, but, you know, logical coverage, yeah. uh, you know, gr- great points that they brought up about it. Mm-hmm. So there's are a little longer too. like often Lifehacker will have shorter articles mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll cover other they will cover other blogs like they'll write a short paragraph about some other article and then they'll link to a lot. Yeah. They'll link you to it. Yeah. Um, IO nine, I think tends to have a little longer articles, a little more in depth. Right. So that's um, something I appreciate. So yeah, just a cool family of websites. I don't know how they could, I guess I would say as someone who's really interested in personal freedom, I could say that a lot of those websites are going to have, they're going to be content rich for things that you can use to, get yourself more freedom in your life. Absolutely. Or if anything, to get you to think about, you know, certain aspects of, of, of really society or whatever. I mean, it, it, I definitely walk away from reading pretty much on any of their blogs, just thinking about things, you know, that I really hadn't thought about before that are very important yeah. and very serious. Um, and, and life hacker, especially, I mean, wow. You know, the stuff that that teaches and, and, you know, it's not when, when it's not backed by any real science, they'll come out and say it. You know, that, that, that this is just an opinion and it's worked for me, mm-hmm. you know. So, so again, it's very, very even-handed stuff. So, great choice. Uh, uh, I'll link to all of them in the show notes and you can check it out. And uh, we'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our last, best hope for peace. It is Babylon 5. All fighter squadrons launched. Return fire. Freeze them! Watch Babylon 5. You can watch Babylon 5 and experience the greatest show in television history. See the entire series completely free by going to the wb.com slash shows slash Babylon 5. Software of the Week. It is time for Software of the Week. And this week, Stephanie and I are going to talk about um, a little this, behind the scenes. Yeah, a little info. behind the scenes because we're going to talk about the software that really helps, that really makes this show happen, um, you know, for me. And the software is Audacity. And actually, Stephanie taught me pretty much everything I know about Audacity, uh, which she did a great job of. And, uh, which I taught myself. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> Or I right. looked on YouTube for t- tutorial videos. Sure, and there's plenty <laughs> of those. Um, but Audacity is a, it's a sound recording, sound mixing, sound editing program um, and it's cross-platform it works on pretty much everything uh, Linux Mac uh, you know Windows and of course uh, I always tout this I use portableapps.com they have a portable version of it which it's being re- this show right now is being recorded on um, how did you find audacity Stephanie oh gosh okay well when I first started doing pork therapy maybe more than three years ago 
I basically was just looking for something to record sound that was free. Mm -hmm. And everything I found online recommended Audacity. So kind of blindly, I chose it and started playing with it and using it. And there was like a little learning curve for me to get used to it because I didn't really... I don't know, I didn't, didn't really seek out too many tutorials about podcasting with Audacity, but, you know, I trusted the recommendations that I had seen, and then pretty soon, pretty quickly, I, I learned how to use it myself. Right. I mean, the interface is kind of, it, it's not like the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's easy once you figure it out. Right. But, but it's not easy at first blush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it helps to have some experience with audio editing, I guess you could say. Sure. What it does is it lays out tracks, right? And everything is based off of tracks. And so you, you might have like one track where we have our voices recorded, or you could have a track where, you know, my voice is recorded, and then a different track where your voice is recorded. And then a third track, perhaps, that plays like the music beds for Sovereign Tech, right? Right. And then, you know, you record them, and then you can kind of shift these blocks of sound yep you can, you can shift move. them in terms of time you exactly. can amplify them you can apply all kinds of different effects um i think there might be some people who do you know uh simple kinds of music editing in audacity but really i find it more useful for voice probably if you're making music something like cubase or another program would be more useful yeah i will say this if anyone asks okay what would you use for music mm -hmm. um while i normally don't don't tout Apple products, uh, GarageBand, which you have to use Apple to use that, but GarageBand is hands down the best music program, in my opinion, in, in the world. Hmm. Um, but anyway, but oh, Audacity, I was thinking more like electronic music. Oh, from, well, even there, it, it, it does well with that. But oh, I mean, I yeah, yeah, you could get into, I mean, sure, when it comes to electronic music, you do things like Reason mm -hmm. um, and, you know, programs like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but Audacity for everything else and for a lot of the simple stuff, and I mean, and even the, the commercials you hear, uh, the ads, the advertisements that you hear throughout this show, throughout Sovereign Tech, um, were all done with Audacity. Either I did it or, of course, Stephanie is, is exceptionally talented at, at putting all this stuff together. And a lot of times this stuff is just from all different sources. Mm-hmm. And it's all mixed together, you know, into one thing. And, and that's what she was, you know, that's what you were talking about with, um, with the with tracks, the, track layout, the various yeah. tracks. And, you know, you just bring it all together and, and it's something. And there's plenty of tutorials out there. And like I said, just about any computer you have, mm -hmm. it's going to work on, which is great. Yeah. Um, some people, you were mentioning GarageBand before, Brian. Mm -hmm. Some people use GarageBand for podcasting. Um, I, you know, GarageBand is limited by the fact that it runs on Mac, right? Right. And you can certainly put together a professional sounding podcast with GarageBand. They have all kinds of effects similar to Audacity, but it's not cross-platform and it's not open source. Right. And Audacity has that advantage. So if that's something that's important to you, it may be worthwhile taking the time to get to get to know Audacity. And uh, another thing I wanted to, to say about mm -hmm. that is that if open source is important to you, you might be interested in knowing that a lot of the sound beds that are on Sovereign Tech and a lot of the, the things that you'll hear in Brian's show or my show or some of the other work that I've done, um, they use open source sounds. So right. those would be sound effects that are in the public domain, public domain or yeah. they would be music that is in the public domain. There's actually a website called freepd.com where there's all kinds of um, music that's all in kinds. the public domain. So you can use it for whatever you want. Right. You don't have no to legal actions ask anybody's your way. permission or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. Now, I mean, obviously we wish all IP 
intellectual property and copyrights and all that stuff would just go away, yeah. um, which is a very popular theme, thankfully, in the tech world today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cross-platform thing, I mean, I, I agree. I think that's very important because it's getting to the point where people aren't having like any actual data on their computers. It's what they call zero data. That's kind of the new term uh, that's going it's around. Because it's all in the cloud. Because it's all in the cloud. It's all on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so if you can use tools that work on any computer, essentially anywhere you are, whether you have a computer with you or not, you know, you can just hop on, log in, and use it, right. and use it as you wish. And I think, I mean, the world's really going that direction. So it's important for there to be a degree of standards. Mm-hmm. I love diversity. Okay, I mean, I think that's great, but it is good sometimes when there is like a certain degree of standards. Google Chrome took off so well because Google Chrome, from the day that it came out, this Google Chrome is Google's web browser. From the day it came out, worked on everything. Mm-hmm. And so everybody just jumped on it, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody could. And is that kind of like a if you build it, they will come kind of thing? Like yeah, kind of welcoming people from all different kinds. Of sure, platforms. you know, you know, if Internet Explorer were smart, they they'd go cross platform. And I wonder if if people wouldn't suddenly say, yeah, let, let's all use this. But of course, that's not mm. going to happen. That's interesting. Um, but in any case, now you've also used other audio uh, suites, so software programs, audio editing programs. Yeah, I've used um, Adobe Audition, which is closed source, of course, sure. and that's what we use for. Free Talk Live. Sometimes I put together the some production on Free Talk Live, like the archives, right. the sound archives. Do you find overall that it's more difficult to use? Uh, that Audacity is more difficult than, to use? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, no, it just has, they have some different features, mm-hmm. but honestly, for being free, Audacity does a stellar job. It really comes close. It does everything. You know, pretty much does everything you need. Sure. So I'm really excited about it. Another thing I wanted to mention about Audacity is that I've used Audacity to make two different audiobooks and uh, one of them is freely available on porktherapy.com it's called markets not capitalism fantastic book it's a it's like a 16 hour audiobook i can't believe i was (laughs) insane enough to actually to undertake that project i am in awe that you did it and you did it well (laughs) and it's free it's freely available uh that was made using audacity all all the recording was done in audacity all the sound processing and the um, rendering the files and stuff was done with audacity and recently i just made another audiobook called the ultimate guide to journaling it's written by our friend Hannah Brame, she's got the Becoming Who You Are blog at becomingwhoyouare.net. And she wrote an ebook about journaling for um, for personal development. Mm-hmm. And she's got like all different kinds of prompts in, in, this, in this book and all kinds of information about how to get into the mindset for journaling and how to get the most out of it. So I learned a lot by reading that book as I was recording right. it, making an audio book. But I used Audacity to make that audio book. Yeah, you added was, in like sound effects for when, because the yeah. book, there's points where the book kind of like talks to you or talks to, I don't know, something. Yeah, that's where the track view in Audacity, the track um, setup or format comes in really handy in Audacity because there would be points in that particular book where there would be like a prompt for journaling, like, um, you know, how do you feel when blah, blah, blah. And right. then it would be, it would want to play a sound effect ding, right? So I could put that in really easily with this track view. I just had a track where all the dings were happening and Amazing. the timing was perfect. Awesome. So that's Audacity. I'll link to it in the show notes and I'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM.
Dad! Stop playing those video games! Uh, uh, uh just a minute, Mom. Game Talk. It is time for Game Talk. I, Brian Sovereign, am here with you, as well as Stephanie Murphy, the producer of Sovereign Tech and Hello. star of Pork Therapy, creator of Pork oh Therapy. I'm a star. You are a star. <laughs> so She's are in you. Forbes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's time for Game Talk, well, one of my favorite parts of the show. And today's article, I actually. Uh, you know what? I think th this I need to credit to Daryl Perry. I think I, I credited Daryl wrong earlier on. Oh, really? From FPP.cc. He didn't send um, you the, the Borg article? No, I, he did not. And, okay. and I, I credit him wrong, but that's okay. He gets his name mentioned a few extra times. I'm sure he'll love it. Uh, <laughs> and this article, this article, it's, it's actually more of a blog that comes from uh, Silver Circle Underground. Um, which Silver Circle, so the Silver Circle movie, you should check that out if you don't know what that is. Um, it's a Liberty themed film. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's all CGI. A future um, currency collapse scenario mm -hmm. where there is rampant inflation from the U.S. You know, Fed, from the Federal Reserve, right? U.S. Right. government. And people start turning to using silver as currency because it's actually, you know, like value backed. It's it's worth more than like paper intrinsically. Exactly. And a likely future, too, while it's at it. And uh, but anyway, so they've used kind of the movie as also, a, you know, a platform to uh, to get certain messages out and, and do certain like blog type things like what we're about to read. And that's great. And this is they do have a very active blog over at Silver Circle Movie. They do. Yeah. And it's good. Um, now, this article is video games lead to cosplay, not violence. That's interesting. <gasps> cosplay. Oh, my. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. Yeah. Um, it's corrupting the young minds. It's, I know, oh, cosplay. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, people could die from cosplay. Like, maybe they could. could but, die from sexiness. But yeah, yeah, you might. Yeah, we were just oh, looking at some pictures of um, Psylocke from the X Men. Yes. Yeah, and I oh felt my. like I was might have been about to die. Yeah, she that <laughs> she was the was and is kind of the epitome of comic book sexiness, I guess you could say. Um, and some people brought it to real life with cosplay because that's what cosplay is. Cosplay is just uh, it's it's almost playing make believe. Um, it's, you know, you, you dress up like your favorite, you know, whatever fictional character, I suppose it doesn't have to be fictional, um, but it's very popular in video games and comic books and anime. It doesn't have to be like sexy that. either. does not have to be sexy. Uh, I mean, it could be anything. You could be wearing a Master Chief, you know, outfit, which is just a giant, you know, armor outfit or something. But I could imagine that a lot of people do find it sexy to dress up like, you know, their fantasy character. Oh, sure. It's playing out fantasies. Absolutely. You know, right. and, and it, this gets done by kids and adults. This isn't something... You know, this isn't something that's just adult themed or whatever. Um, but anyway, th this is this is the blog post is that, you know, video games don't lead to violence, a.k.a. video games don't make people violent. Um, it just leads people to cosplay. This is the point that they're going to make. Uh, the blog goes as this. Maybe I'm just a natural praxeologist. Praxeology is the study of human action, in case you're not sure. Uh, but I remember making this argument when I was about 10 years old. Praxeology is the study of human action. I wanted to see a violent movie, and my dad wouldn't let me go because he thought seeing something, seeing violent media would lead to violent behavior. I retorted that perhaps young boys had an uh, instinctive impulse for violence, and that if I was channeled into something harmless like violent movies, it would uh, reduce violent behavior, produce violent behavior. Uh, it was a, it was a get it out of their system type argument. I have no idea how sound an argument that is. 
I was 10 years old, but I do know that I didn't grow up to be a violent person, and this research supports my claim. Every time there's a school shooting, the pundits and politicians scramble to point fingers at one another, desperate for the blame to fall squarely somewhere else. No one ever wants to look at mind-altering prescription medication, largely because pharmaceutical companies are sponsors and lobbyists of the people pointing the fingers. No one ever wants to blame parents because it's emotionally difficult, and parents represent the largest constituency of people pointing the fingers. Hmm. And yeah, that's a good point. And certainly nobody anywhere wants to apply the slightest shred of scrutiny to the school system itself. No one ever suggests that if you corral impressionable children into quasi prisons, that they'll begin to act like prisoners. And no one ever suggests that, if, that if divisive a system that de- that a divisive, sorry, uh, <laughs> that dehumanizes impressionable children, they might have trouble respecting the humanity of others. Instead, they blame music or trench coats or comic books or guns. And this, and this time, it seems like the babbling class is pointing their finger at violent video games. Chief among them, of course, is the National Rifle Association. There was a really big story about that a video where Wayne LaPierre, the head of the NRA, mm. uh, went down the list of games and saying, Grand Theft Auto, this is what's causing our kids to kill people. This is what's causing violence. It's not guns, you know, which it isn't guns. But mm. um, It's kind of funny. Did he name um, Call of Duty? The military simulator. I don't. I don't recall if that. I don't think that was on the list because, which <laughs> well, is really which is very ironic. ironic. Yeah, because that is an actual game that simulates being in the military. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a very violent game. Absolutely. And uh, so he wasn't going to take aim at that, but he no, was talking about Grand Theft Yeah. Auto. In fact, I'm, I'm the main games he listed off were either had a really, uh, you know, a really like violent name, or it was something that had to deal with the criminal elements Mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with the fact of like these violent, like he didn't mention halo, you know, which is a military shooter of sorts, futuristic, albeit. Um, so yeah, that's a great point. Uh, anyway, we'll go on with the, with the article a bit. Um, a legislator looks at the problem of gun violence and says, ban guns, imagining that society will instantly obey their pronouncements, but undeterred by the fact that ban violence is already on the books. When one ban fails, they simply propose another, and ban violent video games is on the lips of many statutory-minded people. And that's an interest. That's a great point right there. I like that. In that, and I say this a lot. If saying theft is illegal mm-hmm. was worth anything, people wouldn't steal. <laughs> you know, and and just like the idea that to say that okay, guns are illegal, that's somehow that people wouldn't use guns, right. or to say there that, certainly is a lot of. Um, there certainly are a lot of people who smoke marijuana. There certainly are a lot of people right. who steal things, despite the fact that those things have laws written down against them. Right? Absolutely. I mean, them. yeah, these laws and, re- and regulations, they, they education's what solves the problem. You know, if there's if there's a real if there's a problem, if yeah. there's a problem, education is the thing to solve and not this legislation. And it's funny, though. I mean, like the the article opened with the scene with the dad and the son and the dad saying, well, no, you can't go see this violent movie. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there are people saying, well, violent video games are the problem. But honestly, movies and video games are just one element of a culture that has a lot of violence within it. And I'm not just talking about like when you see on TV, there's, there's violent things that happen. Um, I'm talking about how the military is glorified, right? How, even how the military is depicted on the news as, as, as if it's just, you know, almost like you are playing a video game, drones killing people right. with remote control airplanes. It totally takes the humanity out of it and it, it makes it so that nobody has to experience that, that grief of 
up close killing another human being and it it really just totally dehumanizes that that process yeah. and and makes war even more possible not yeah. to mention the amount of violence that goes on in schools and also in people's homes i mean some of these parents who are telling their kids not to go see a violent movie are hitting their kids at the same time right. and you have to ask yourself i think if you're going to think about this critically you got to ask yourself you know, what kind of message does that send to kids sure. when they are physically uh, punished, disciplined, hit, whatever you want to call it? That teaches, I think, that teaches that violence solves problems. Yeah, I mean, if the kid went off to, to go see the movie anyway and then came, you know, then came home and the parents found out that he went and saw the movie and then they yeah. spanked the kid. Yeah, don't go see violent movies. Now right. I'm going to hit you. Yeah, because right? you did. And it's like, oh, wait, what message is that? Yeah. How confusing for, for such a young mind, especially. Um, and the other thing too, that's an interesting point because Ronald Reagan, actually, this is kind of famous that he said this in the eighties. He said, you know, I learned something interesting about video games today that the kids playing video games now are going to be our future pilots and our future as in the video games were like training. You know, he treated them as if they were training and there may be some truth to that. That's a topic I'll have to cover more Mm -hmm. uh, in future game talks uh, of Sovereign Tech. Does anybody ever think, just one last point, does does anybody ever think that perhaps people who um, are feeling aggressive, you know, people who, who may have some aggression inside of them seek out violent video games and not the other way around, not that the video games are causing aggression in people who are otherwise this, perfectly This peaceful. blog post makes that point, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's the bottom line. of the, the Actually, no part the blog post doesn't get to the point where it explains why they go to cosplay. Um, other <laughs> than that, I think the point that the person's trying to make is that, um, you know, games can open up the imagination. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't lead you to, to being violent. But yeah, one of their points is that studies are finding out that violent people play violent, you know, like people that were already kind of violent for whatever reasons, childhood trauma, mm-hmm. uh, go down the list, um, are playing the violent video games. And it's not that the violent video games are teaching peaceful people to be violent. Right. Um, and so, so you know, I mean, one of my things, though, with this whole argument of, of violent video games is that. I don't think I don't in a lot of ways. I don't think this is about science, not about the violent, not about the video games themselves. This is a culture war, right? That's all this is. This is two cultures or two or however many Mm -hmm. going at each other has nothing to do with science and to try and bring science. And even, I mean, I thought this was a a pretty fair uh, blog post that brings up some good ideas and we'll link to it again. Um, But bottom line, this, this is about, uh, you know, this is about culture. Mm hmm. And people disagreeing, you know. Right. I mean, you even see this with, I was thinking about um, sex, you know, because sex and violence are often mentioned and talked about together. Right. Right. And, you know, sometimes when there's a statistic that comes out about teenage pregnancy rates or whatever. Right. People blame it on Hollywood and they'll blame it on music and movies. Right. When, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Can a movie get in and control your mind? I think it could certainly influence people. Right. It might it might normalize certain things about. But fundamentally, it is just a culture war. There isn't any science yeah, that's really the, in that discussion. Right, That's the thing. This isn't about how neurons are, are being fired in a different way. This may be about sociological sciences. OK, that's fine if, if you mean that. But this is not about sciences and like this is how your brain works. This is blah, blah, blah. Right. No, it's not that at all. This is a culture war. Um, the NRA kind of hit that point home. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're proving and, and they looked they looked my opinion, ridiculous in, in claiming that, you know, in, in making those claims. Um, 
I'm but, not a big fan of the NRA. <laughs> yeah, no, no, me, me neither. I mean, I, you know, I, I want everybody to have private property rights, you know, all the way around, be it guns or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely don't support the NRA. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, an interesting topic that, you know, these violent video games, that's not the problem. We got to go if do some cosplay, Brian. We'll be right back. Yeah, we'll go do some cosplay. This is Sovereign Tech. Are you searching for a mouth-watering, all-natural, sweet and sticky treat? What if I told you it was also made by a chef who believes in freedom, just like you? You're not dreaming. This is real. Head over to mandrik.com. That's M-A-N-D-R-I-K.com. There you'll find George's famous baklava in classic and dark chocolate flavors. Mm. To those with special health needs, George's famous baklava also has a treat for you. Golden Delicious Low-Carb Gluten-Free Almond Cookies. Order with PayPal or Bitcoins. In just a few days, your sweet treats will await you right at your doorstep. One more time, that's M-A-N-D-R-I-K dot com for George's Famous Bakaba. Hacker Stories It is time for Hacker Stories. Of course, it's me, Brian Sovereign, with you with the lovely Stephanie Murphy. Oh, hi. Hello. Um, And with this week's Hacker Stories, something I like to do with guests is I want to know how they kind of got into technology. Um, And while, Stephanie, you probably wouldn't consider yourself to be a computer hacker per se, you know, maybe you could kind (laughs) of be a, (laughs) right, you you could be a kind of a, maybe a biohacker. I would call uh, myself BioCurious. BioCurious, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right on. That's um, the name of a biohacker space out in Bay Area, yeah, California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the word. Yeah, it's no, it's, it is. It's great. Um, but in any case, I am interested. I mean, how did you get in technology? What was like? What was your first computer experience? Oh, and, my. Well, it all started back in about 1988 <laughs> when <laughs> I was four years old. And my dad had gotten a computer to help him, I guess, with his work. And he brought it home and kept it in the house. And it was like a, I don't know what kind of Mac it was, but one of the really simple um, Macs. Sure, it was a Macintosh. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was Macintosh. And I remember... These are like, they're they're the single box, Mm -hmm. the the monitor's built into them. It's a little black and white monitor. Oh, yeah. It was black and white. Yeah. Okay. Uh, It booted up and it almost had this little face. Like it was a computer with a little face that Mm -hmm. smiles at you and then you'd see the Apple. And I remember that pretty vividly, like being really excited, waiting for it to boot up. Well, sure. It was smiling. It was like asking you to use it. Yeah. It's like, hey, play with me. And I thought, wow, this is a really cool toy. (laughs) And uh, so the thing that I remember most about that particular computer was the games that came with it. There was, in particular, one game called Daleks, and this is, I guess, it was like the Daleks from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And this is from like the old Doctor Who, not the new one. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. This was back in the eighties, right, so it would right. have to be back when it was good. good. <laughs> I know you have strong uh, feelings about Doctor <laughs> Who, but uh, so I, it was this game where a really simple game where you are basically on a field and you're in the middle of the field, and there are these robots surrounding you. And what you have to do is move around on the field. You can only move one square each time you move. And then the robots, no matter where you go, will always move closer to you. And your goal is to make them crash into each other or crash into a pile of dust that's been left by two other robots who crashed into each other. And so you get to the next level if you kill all the robots. 
and or avoid you know avoid getting gotten by them and you can teleport and zap the robots and stuff and it's like a really cute game you know pretty non-violent and you know just really interesting there was another game called birds where like you learn stuff about different kinds of birds and like you flew them and like made them move around and another game called brickles and (laughs) brickles was like um i now i can't remember the name of it but there, there was another really popular game that got uh, maybe kind of like Pong a little bit. Okay. Um, but like you had this. Oh, it's like arachnoid where you, or arachnoid, not arachnoid. Arachnoid where you shoot like the blocks go up and then um, like the ball knocks out the blocks. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Th- that's, yeah, that's like arachnoid or what they call it for Atari. It's called super breakout. But anyway, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I grew up kind of playing those games and being really interested. Oh, they also had a Wheel of Fortune game where you'd guess the words mm-hmm. and it had this little simulator with like Alex Trebek I and Van, that. Vanna White. Oh, man. <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> it even had a sound effect where they would clap for you and you could spin the wheel and it would go. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty cool. That's great. And, you know, so those that was my, you know, my childhood first experience with computers. And from there, it just grew. Uh, I started to really love, love computers and mostly loved playing like memory games and kind of like brain teasers on so kind of your your passion for computers or not well i don't know if your passion but your your desire to to use computers kind of came from wanting to play games um yeah it it was a little more than that though i think it was also wanting to learn and wanting to explore new information okay um and as i got older too i got really interested in writing and so like word processing software was cool to me and um so that was cool I remember playing, I remember having a Simon, you know, those things that were like the colored lights would flash and it would play a tone with each color of light. Mm-hmm. And then they'd play them in a sequence and you had to like press these, these blocks and repeat the sequence. And if you got it correct, it would play the same sequence, but then it would add another one onto the end and right. then you had to remember it. And so that was cool. I played with that until it broke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, you know, then I got a little older and I remember... Um, my dad, because of his job, had access maybe to more computers than the average person would have at the time. Mm-hmm. And so he was kind of bringing home like the latest technology. And eventually, you know, it got to the point where I, I got to be the 90s. Right. And I'm a little older. You know, I was in my I was in my teens at that point, you know, maybe mid to later teens. And it was like the nascency of the internet you know right. a few of my friends not most of them not but a few of them were starting to get on AOL and i we didn't have AOL we would just connect to the internet through the phone line and right. through a dial up modem and first we had 28k and then it was 56 and that was like a huge improvement oh, yeah. remember like downloading thumbnail thumbnails and just waiting for them to very patiently waiting for them to download right <laughs> <laughs> and it takes forever um one of the first things I got interested in using was uh, Yahoo uh, products. My first email address was a Yahoo address. And well, Yahoo was big back then. Yahoo yeah. was like it. Yeah, you know, yeah. But they were the Google before there was Google. Yeah, I think that may have started when I was like 14 or 15. I was when I got my first email address and then sure. had it continued on. And I, I started using Yahoo Chat. And the thing about that that was really cool, that I thought was really cool, was that I was able to meet people, you know, like you'd go into a chat room and it would be a chat room about some interest, right? Right. Like you could go into Star Trek chat room or you could go in a food chat room or whatever. And unlike, probably unlike any other social situation, 
you knew exactly what you were walking into. Right. There was like a clear defined set of terms that you could use that people should at least kind of know. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't like it, it was super easy to leave. To just walk out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I there mean, might even be another, you know, Star Trek chat yep. room number two that you can go Exactly. Right. No need for explanation. You just go. Yeah. Right. And the, like there really weren't trolls back then either. Yeah, like trolling is kind of a new phenomenon, I think. Yeah, well, you know, I think, I mean, this is kind of a little bit of a theory I have on it, Mm -hmm. is that back then in the mid-90s, and of course before, but in the mid-90s, you had to be a certain kind of person to be even to, to even or have a certain amount of knowledge anyway, (laughs) to even have the, the ability to get online. Right. Because it wasn't easy. Right. You know, this wasn't point and click stuff. You, you had to do a little work. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, he still pointed and clicked, but um, but <laughs> yeah, so, you had to know a couple things. Yeah, so there, there was an instantaneous kinship that existed just in the fact that the person, the people you were talking to, figured out how to get here too. Right. right. And so there was almost uh, an instantaneous respect mm-hmm. that doesn't exist in normal social uh, conditions. Oh yeah, respect was a big um, part of it, and and the voluntary nature of it. It was like totally this voluntary. is this is something that I chose. I wanted to go to this chat right. room, and I'm here because I want to connect with people over a shared interest or whatever. Right. right? Even if they may be, you ask them their ASL, right? And they're yeah, they live in Florida, yeah, or age, something. sex, location, yeah. <laughs> and they're you know I don't know whatever, but. The point was that those were voluntary interactions, right? And if at any time I was uncomfortable or I didn't like it, I could always leave yep. and never have to talk to the person again. And that was so unlike what I had experienced in my life up to that point, because it was all just people who happened to be born in the same town as me and happened to be born in the same year as me. Sure. It those, opened up the world quite literally to you. Yeah. And it, it was just such a stark contrast to school mm-hmm. because school was unchosen relationships. It was right. like, you're stuck with these people. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't necessarily have anything in common with them. Some of them are your, your enemies sure. overtly. Um, and some of them make fun of you and really, you know, make your life kind of a living hell. And, but, but the internet, it was totally different. Like if, if you encountered any of that, you could just leave, which was great. Yeah. I mean, back then, you know, I, I, I always, I, I, I pained to hear it and I heard it when I was growing up at that time in that the parents like, Oh, you know, the kid just spends all day on the computer and stuff like that. Well, back then that was more real than the world was. Yeah. The world was a sham. The world was forced on you, or the average, you know, society at, at least large it was, was very forced limited. on you. Yeah, and it was exceptionally limited. That was real. That was voluntary, like you said, and, and it was real. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. People, I mean, now I think it's kind of changed to where I th- Yeah, and at this point with social networking and all that stuff, even when um, when a lot of my, more of my friends started to get on AOL, mm-hmm. like the later adopters started coming in, it was getting to the point where, you know, you'd go on AOL Instant Messenger and people from your school would be contact requesting you and things like that. Yeah. And there'd be drama about that and whatever. I mean, so that in that sense, it was getting a little bit more encroaching but for for a while there at the at the kind of the beginning of it it was almost a way to escape from that world of unchosen relationships and that, yep. that world of that very limited world where you couldn't really get outside of it very easily yeah and i then, agree and then of course you know uh started to discover some websites and that was i would say that was a hugely instrumental step in um changing my life because instrumental in so okay um you know, around my teens, like mid early teens, I rejected religion. I was raised religious mm-hmm. and then I decided I was not interested in that. That did not, you know, fit with my, um, that, that did not, you know, allow me to like make sense of the world in a way that was consistent with reality. Yeah. That I it could conflicted understand. with reason. Sure. So, 
that was kind of alienating because a lot of people around me were uh, still religious. Right. And I was looking for connection and support, frankly, from people who, who were not. And, you know, for a while I was kind of like, I was kind of lost. I was kind of like getting into like this vague, like spiritual things or like, you know, magical thinking still Mm -hmm. wasn't able to completely break away from it. But then I got online and I started realizing and finding out through, you know, like Yahoo search engine or whatever, that there were atheist websites out there. And that was huge because then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. You're not alone. And I can find other people who I can help, you know, develop these, these ideas that I had sort of had to think up on my own. Uh, in 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 conjunction with, and from there, from looking at all these atheist websites, which were an enormous help, um, I found some libertarian websites, and mm-hmm. I kind of quickly realized that there were two different kinds of atheists. There were like the ones that wanted the government to do stuff for them and to give them stuff, and then there were the ones that wanted to be left alone and and kind of had the no gods no masters thing going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely in the latter camp, and so I was I was interested in liberty. And seeing those websites really sparked my interest and encouraged me to pursue that even more. And so I I think. And those in both so those many arguments, ways. liberty and atheism, mm-hmm. um, even though they should be one and the same, uh, liberty and atheism definitely appealed to you know your logic. They, they right. appealed to what you were looking for. And it's is it, it's fair to say then that the internet definitely set you free. Oh, it set me free. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, it allowed me to get out of that small town that I was in, mm-hmm. you know, um, that I had happened to be born in, not by any choice of mine or whatever, sure. and see some other things about the world and connect with some people that I would have never been able to reach. And I was really grateful for that. Amazing. And, you know, another way it set me free, like, okay, every teenager has questions about sex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there were not too many people in my life that I felt comfortable asking some of the questions that I wanted to find out about, right? And... I remember we had sex education in school, right? And that was taught by this 60-year-old woman named (laughs) Nursie. And if you wanted to know how to put a condom on, Nursie wasn't like legally allowed to show you in front of the class, but if you went to her office, she would demonstrate on a banana. And everybody was really creeped out by that. And it was like, okay, this is not enough information. And in the class, they would show you these, they had this slide projector, you know, those round things that like, you know, you click and it advances forward one slide or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They had these slides of just like the worst possible cases of herpes and genital warts you could possibly imagine. And they they put they blew them up, you know, these pictures, horrifying pictures of people's genitals, blew them up in front of the whole class and put them on this giant projector screen. And everybody's sitting there dumbfounded and horrified thinking, if I have sex, this is what's going to happen to me. And... You know, and and then you're sitting there wondering in the class, well, if I give a blowjob, can I get pregnant, right? Or yeah, something right. <laughs> like that. But you're afraid to ask. Yeah. And so, so what did I do? I turned to the. Well, internet. and half the time you're like you're picturing the blowjob with the sixty year old, and it's just, uh, you know, you don't wouldn't want her telling you the story. <laughs> I yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, I I think I was kind of blocking that out. But, yeah, I but hope yeah, so. didn't didn't feel it was the point was it was not an environment where I felt comfortable asking some of the questions that I wanted to know about. Sure. So I anon- you know, went to the internet. It's not a person, it's anonymous, right? It's right. like you go to a website, you can read about things, maybe that'll answer your questions, right? How do I have an orgasm, right? I was curious about stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, without getting too personal, but it really helped me. There was Amazing. a website called... Um, sexuality.org or something like I wasn't it wasn't as though I was looking at porn I know a lot of people 
did that. Mm-hmm. But I was really more looking for more health oriented, more more clinical kind of um, sexuality information sure. with a focus on pleasure, but also you know clinical, not not like just porn, which can be misinformative. Right. I think. And, you know, sometimes I will admit that there are lots of young people who find out about sex from porn and, um, you know, that there that has its own set of issues that go along with it. Right. right. Because it may not show realistic depictions of sex. Right. And then they right. end up with these expectations that aren't what they're going to find when they get with a real partner. But, um, you know. I think my experience with um, internet-based uh, sex education was, was rel- very positive. relatively positive. And the yeah. positive's still out there. It's just obviously it's, you know, yep. one, yeah, one amongst 99, you know. Well, there's like scarleteen.com. There mm-hmm. are like there are tons of resources like if you're a young person and you are curious about like you're you're thinking about your orientation there are tons of information there's tons of resources maybe we can link to a couple of these in the show notes i think that'd be great yeah right there's um p you know p flag parents and families of lesbian and gay Mm -hmm. uh, people or whatever and all kinds of stuff and even videos on youtube of people talking about their experience coming out of the closet and things like that so that's a great great source another one is uh, Lacey green uh oh she's got a youtube channel yeah yeah, she is very very good about being very honest Mm -hmm. about sexual matters and maybe one of the best reasons for the internet to exist lazy green well and you know i mentioned the whole thing about sexuality because i think that really does change the world i mean it does i agree it it way impacts people's lives when they have misconceptions or they they have shame shame embarrassment yep surrounding topics about sex and reproduction and even bodily functions and things like that. Yeah. And look, like nobody gives you a, a user's manual for your own body. You kind of have to go through and figure out that stuff on your own. And, you know, I want to have the access to the most and best quality information as possible. Absolutely. And the internet really helped me with that. So Yeah, and it makes it happen. Uh, well, that's amazing. Yeah. Wikipedia was another big one, too, once that started to come out. Yeah, I really wish that existed in the 90s. That could have changed. I can't oh, even gosh. imagine what the world would look like now if we had it 20 years ago. There's so many things that I wished I would have been able to access yeah. earlier. You know, especially um, I, I had another sort of like personal uh, revolution or something that really influenced my thinking when I found like a couple of different podcasts that really um, shook things up for me, I mm-hmm. guess, in terms of how I think about my ideas of liberty and stuff. And namely, uh, like Freedom Aid Radio and Complete Liberty Podcast were, were two of the biggest mm-hmm. and school sucks. And um, yeah, I would definitely count those three kind of as a trifecta <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. of, uh, of uh, revolution and thought. But you know, I was just thinking, like, what if I had found out about those 10 years earlier? Oh, yeah. They didn't yeah. exist 10 years ago, but yeah. what if I had found them 10 years earlier? How would my life be different? Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing to think about. And I'm glad that, that there are people who are younger who are finding them. I agree. I think that young. Absolutely. I think the Internet uh, right now, I mean, we're looking at a generation, despite what kind of traumas kids are dealing with, we're dealing with a generation that can come out being so smart, mm-hmm. so well aware, because the Internet is just information unleashed. Right. No control, you know, or at least, I mean, there's some control out there, but, uh, but it can be out there with no control. And that is just an amazing thing. And, and so it's terrifying the, to people who don't understand it too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so many people ever since the internet has been in existence, they've wanted to kind sure. of control it and rein it in. And yeah, which is so sad because it's like you said, it literally set you free. It literally made you, I mean, is it fair to say that it made you who you are today? Oh yeah. It influenced my life for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there there were just so many things. And then 
Um, I guess like around the early 2000s, I started getting interested, getting really, really interested in libertarian ideas. I was in college at the time and I was mm-hmm. like, you know, thinking about my political beliefs and things like that and, and trying to figure things out, right? The people that age, they're trying to figure things out. Yeah. And I was no exception to that, of course. And so, you know, finding out about like uh, Mises used to publish, the Mises Institute used to publish daily articles. I mm-hmm. used to read those, oh, learned a too. lot about economics, Lou Rockwell. And eventually I kind of moved beyond those into a more personal context of liberty. But those were instrumental too, and they were all there for free. For free. Yeah. You got to love it. Uh, we'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. This is Stephanie Murphy, Sovereign Tech Producer. You may know me from this show, but did you know that I have my own podcast? It's called Pork Therapy. Pork Therapy is a bit different from other shows. We cover current events, big ideas, and even relationship issues, all through the lens of how we can get more freedom in our lives. Oh, and you'll love Sex and Science Hour. Join me on my website, porktherapy.com. That's P-O-R-C therapy.com. Now back to Sovereign Tech. doing i can't believe i caught you again you know jesus doesn't approve of this little habit of yours i know baby i know it's wrong but it feels so right well it ain't but i've been doing it since i was 12 years old it's nothing but a sinful perversion of nature if you ask me but baby i don't ever want to stop looking at tech websites new gadgets video games software or any of that stuff well then I'm leaving. Okay. Bye. Pick of the week. <laughs> it is pick of the week. Um, and whether you know, we were, we were talking about, I'm here with Stephanie Murphy and hi. hi, and we, we were talking about audacity earlier and that whole intro is all you. Yeah. That the was guy, all me. The, the, the woman, the, the, the Southern accented woman, the guy, that's all you. Oh, man, baby. (laughs) Actually, I can't even replicate that voice because what I did was talk in my normal voice and then I shifted the pitch using audacity. Right. So it sounds like a man and then the woman sounds more of a, you know, high pitched woman's voice. Right. Yeah. And I I did that whole skit myself. I did the southern accent. You know, I faked that. Yeah, you kind of pulled that off. But yeah, the rest of it was uh, was audacity. So there you go. Amazing. Um, Yeah. Great, great software and obviously great producer. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's pick of the week. Uh, this is normally where I talk about whatever I want to talk about, uh, or you know, and I pick something, um, you know, a product or a website or who knows what. Pick your nose. Uh, yeah. Pick your friend's nose. Pick your friend's nose. Yeah. This <laughs> this pick of the week is brought. Uh, I think uh, was chosen by Stephanie, and it's uh, it is uh, boogers and. <laughs> Oh, wait. Right. Oh, I read that wrong. Five fingers, <laughs> not not boogers. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, five finger shoes, right? Yeah. Um, this is an unusual pick of the week. Um, I know you like to spotlight unconventional products, though. Yes. And at this point, I kind of even wonder about whether to call these unconventional because they kind of are becoming mainstream in a way. Very much, yeah. But these are, in case you don't, in case you're not aware... These are shoes that aren't shaped like conventional shoes. Like a conventional shoe is to is um, to your foot what a mitten is to your hand. 
right? Or maybe it wouldn't even be a mitten, like well, a mitten has it'd a be like thumb. a glove. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be like a glove, but not with individual fingers. Like it would be like just putting a bag over your entire hand. Oh, right, right, right. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> right, and so because it encloses all the toes, it doesn't have um, room for each individual toe to move except within the the sort of like confines of the shoe, mm-hmm. and. There are certain people, there are some people who think that that is really not very ergonomic as far as um, athletic activities or even just normal standing, walking, whatever, go. Right. And there's that there is a reason that we have toes. And the reason is so we can fine tune our balance, so we can do, you know, grip things a little bit better. And, you know, there's a reason we don't just have blocks for feet. And so why are we wearing blocks for why are we wearing blocks for shoes on our feet? Right. Right. It's a great question. It is. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people have thought about before. You know, like they may have never questioned if they were wearing conventional shoes for their whole lives. They may have never questioned whether this is the optimal way to encase your foot and protect it from the elements or um, sharp objects or whatever. Right. But this company, Vibram, I guess, who started the five finger shoe thing is has questioned that and they've made these shoes. I've been wearing them for a couple years now and I really love them. I've actually started to go barefoot more often too. Right. Just to take advantage of those natural, you know, muscles and the the way that my foot naturally supports my body and I'm I'm very pleased with it. Um, you know, I I just more comfortable and when I wear conventional shoes now, I I find myself wishing that I had the five fingers that I could go back cuz they're more comfy. Yeah. The and these are made thing, by Vibram or Vibram, however it's pronounced. I think it's Vibram. Yeah. yeah. Like five fingers yep. is a long eye or whatever. Right. Um, the only thing that I um, wanted to bring up about these shoes, you know, I, I love the shoes. I've really found them beneficial, I guess, to my own life. But there's a big but here. Um, <laughs> these shoes are victims, I guess, of the patent monopoly system. Uh. There is IP all over these shoes. And this company, Vibram, has been suing other companies who have tried to make shoes that have five, you know, slots right. for toes. And like Fila came out with Skeletoes, I think they're called, and they have four, like your 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 right. pinky toe and the and the toe next to it go into one slot. So that way it's not five, it's only four. Right. And I think that um, Vibram still attempted to sue Fila for that design because they were trying to say it was yeah. too similar to theirs. Yeah. And as far as I know, they've been successful at kind of keeping out any other competitors. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, there, there is another one that kind of, um, they have five fingers, but then they kind of resemble um, a, a conventional shoe. Uh, but I've only seen it like in Canada and it's really weird. So I just think that there could be so many more options, so much competition in that area. Maybe the prices would come down quite a bit. I right. think because not one company doesn't have a monopoly over <laughs> yeah, this kind of shoes. Because one thing I'd like an, one of these, com- another company to come up with if Vibram doesn't, you know, why I want a little bit of competition cooperation in the market is the, your feet can stink. <laughs> in these um, because you Some normally models, don't wear socks. I mean, right. you can, and Gingy makes socks for these, but you mm-hmm. normally don't. And some of the models, it can get pretty hot and you take them off and your feet kind of... I've been wearing them for about Ooh. a year and yeah, it, it can get pretty sweaty. Um, and I'd love for a company to be able to come out with something that solves that. Right. So, but I mean, but there are supposedly some science behind this. I've heard science to the contrary as well, but that you run faster 
Um, you know, like are runners when they train with these, they run faster. Would you say that's accurate? I don't do much running. It's not something I particularly right. enjoy. I do more strength training mm-hmm. and um, uh, kind of exercises of those nature. So uh, it's hard for me to answer that question. But, you know, during my daily life, there are days where I walk around quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, almost all day on my feet walking around. Mm-hmm. And I have to say at the end of a day of that, my feet are much feeling much better if they've been in the five finger shoes right. rather than conventional shoes. Yeah. I noticed, I mean, I thought I felt like there was a degree of back pain that I kind of lost mm-hmm. that I would normally feel at the end of the day. Yeah. Back um, pain and hips and legs yeah. um, were the things that would start to ache, I guess, if yeah. all day standing in a pair of boots or something. Yeah. Like I that. mean, and these are very custom shoes. I mean, you definitely feel pretty good in, even just in buying them because you don't get them in like, they're not like size 13 or size 10 or something like that. It's actually a measurement, uh, you know, of your foot and the sizes are anywhere from like, you know, 30 to like, I wear a size 44. Whoa. Um, yeah. You know and, what they say about, yeah, you, you have to wear big five fingers. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what they say about it when, when you have big feet. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, and, and they, again, they feel great and I think they look cool. They just recently started coming mm-hmm. out with like winter models. Um, but yeah, you've I'm kind ex- of customized that yourself. Yeah, I'm excited for the winter models. But what I did was take, and they don't make this anymore because there have been protests about kangaroo leather. Mm-hmm. But what I did was take a pair of kangaroo leather um, shoes that were kind of made for warmth, like the five finger kangaroo leather ones. Right. And then I sprayed them down with silicone camp dry spray to try to waterproof them. And it worked pretty well. So I was happy with that. Awesome. Didn't need to wait for those those um, weatherized ones to come out. <laughs> yeah, and and the price range on these run anywhere between like seventy to probably one hundred fifty. That could be better. That could be way better if they didn't have. The yeah, IP if they didn't have again. the IP on it, um, the, those prices would be down. So yeah, I mean they can't be that expensive to make, but you know, regardless of the of the IP, I hope that will get better at some point. I mm-hmm. hope there will be more competition in this arena. But the reason I wanted to bring those up was because I think that's a piece of wearable technology that is is basically solving the problem of, well, if I walk around barefoot, I'm going to be looked at funny and I might step on sharp objects. Right. It's solving that problem. It's protecting your foot right. and it's giving you some kind of housing for your foot, but it's allowing you the freedom of movement that comes with wiggling your toes and being able to grip things with your toes. And yeah. so it's kind of solving that that problem with technology. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, and it's I like agree. an ancient concept, right? It's, bodies yeah. have been crafted by evolution right. for millions of years. And everything has a purpose and reason. Yeah, I mean, I, and even things that people don't think that there's a reason for it. A lot of people say, well, you don't really need a pinky toe. Really? Would you like to lose your pinky toe? I mean, I wouldn't. No, no. I think there's there's Let's reason see how for that it. Goes. <laughs> there's, there's actually a lot of balance that comes from the pinky toe. Right. And even other parts of the body that some people think are, you know, without function, right? Like the appendix, people used to think that was useless or vestigial, but it actually has immune tissue in it, right? And there might be a reason why it's there. Also, same thing with the foreskin, right? (laughs) A lot of people would like to claim that the foreskin is useless, but it's not. It has nerve endings, it has immune cells, it has all kinds of stuff that is there for a reason. And so, the you know, the point is that even though the function of a body part might not be immediately obvious, there probably is a function, right? I mean, people who lose their pinky toes have a lot of trouble balancing. Right. So they are there for a reason. Each toe is there, and it's helping you uh, do stuff, helping you 
uh, balance. So why not use it to its fullest ability? Yeah, and so I mean, bottom lining, I mean, these the, the Vibram Five Fingers just give your feet their natural ability back. Right. Is that that's that's pretty much the deal? Yep. And and again, like I said, I felt I felt better, you know, wearing them uh, overall. It's funny because I wonder, like, when you wear them, especially in a more corporate or formal environment, mm-hmm. you get a lot of shit. Like, people, <laughs> Oddly people enough. are freaked out by them. And yeah. I think it's because it's something that's just so different. You know, they've yeah. never seen this before, almost like the eyepiece. And it's like, whoa, what are you doing there? Right. You think you can just have each toe in a separate right. compartment? Who do you think you are? You right. know? <laughs> so, I mean, so even in that, it's, you know, be a rebel. It's cool. You know, I mean, that's all right. I mean, even that's almost a good enough reason to wear it, just to like kind of. It is a conversation starter, too. Yeah, that, yeah, sure. Something to be aware of. Like if you, if you are, for instance, um, an attractive woman and you're wearing these shoes, people are going to think that they have an in to talk to you, even if you don't want to be talked to. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I guess it could be a conversation starter in a bad way. it, It could also be an opportunity to evangelize, you know, about the shoes, basically. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Vibram Five Fingers, uh, I will link to their page uh, in the show notes, or you can go to SovereignTech.tumblr.com. Um, we've also, we also have a Facebook page now. You can go to Facebook.com slash SovereignTech. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N. Uh, Sovereign Tech's just growing all over the place. And I definitely could not have done it without you, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. Uh, great Thank producer, you. great partner. Thank you. Yeah. You, you, I mean... You've been very supportive the whole time, and I thank I, you for that. Thank you. I've really enjoyed your show, and I'm so glad that you're continuing to do it. I think it's just going to get even better. Thank you. Yeah, um, we have a lot of listens, a lot of downloads. People are making use of the SoundCloud page to, you know, it's infinite end, uh, which it doesn't have. It's an infinite end, so it's inf- infinite. Uh, that's at SoundCloud.com slash SovereignTech, again, S-O-V-R-Y-N. Um, and I've had a great time with the show. I really appreciate you being on again, Stephanie. And uh, thanks. Me you know, too. I'm sure you'll be on again. I hope. Yay! Yeah, absolutely. That would be it's great. A date. <laughs> yeah, and everybody, you know, you can email me at sovereigntech at hush.ai, and you can, uh, you know, let me know. Say, go ahead and tell me you want you'd like a little more Stephanie or a lot more Stephanie on the show. Oh my! Yeah, oh my! <laughs> um, and of course, you can find more of Stephanie if you want at porktherapy.com. That's p-o-r-c therapy.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can actually and then that's your show and your show well you you if you're listening to this podcast you heard the ad you you know so you mm-hmm. have an idea about and it and if you like brian if you like hearing brian and i working together you can listen to free talk live at freetalklive.com on sunday nights from 7 to 10 p.m eastern time that's our live show and we work together on that yep along with mark edge <laughs> so oh forget mark no just kidding yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we like mark yeah so anyway, um, yeah, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Do you want to hear a closing story about my Vibrams? This is sure, cool. go for it. So uh, speaking of bucking the IP system, I bought my first two pairs of Vibrams from this sketchy as hell looking Chinese website. <laughs> and I'm not sure if they were real, but they were awesome anyway. They were, you know, they, they were the real thing as far as I was they concerned. They did the job. Yeah, they had a Vibram logo on them, so I'm not sure if they, you know, fell off the boat or if they were knockoffs <laughs> that were really good, but uh, they did the trick, and I'm glad I got them, and they were significantly cheaper than if I had paid uh, full price. So basically, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of IP. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. No, get, get these at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> However you can get them. Yeah, that's awesome. Um 
So again, you know, if you have any questions or show ideas, or if you want to do, uh, you know, send a show, um, show uh, articles that we can review for Tech Roulette, uh, you may not. You may get, you know, may get read on Tech Roulette. It may not. Um, you can email me at sovereigntech at hush dot ai. Um, and Brian loves emails. I do love emails. I've gotten actually, I've gotten a lot of emails. Yeah, uh, from He's from people asking. Very excited when he receives. I do. I, I, I get a little excited. Ooh, I got an email. It's like ooh, email. Uh, <laughs> men, women, whoever. I've gotten a lot of them, and it's it's fantastic. So, thank you all for listening. Um, we will be back with, or at least I'll be back uh, with more sovereign tech in the near future. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. This has been Sovereign Tech. Visit us at sovereigntech.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N tech.tumblr.com. There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds. Nerds.